Section six of Willemville Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Willemville Stories by Stephen Crane. Shame. Don't come in here bothering me, said the cook intolerantly. What with your mother being away on a visit and your father coming home soon to lunch, I have enough on my mind and that without being bothered with you the kitchen is no place for little boys anyhow run away and don't be interfering with my work she frowned and made a great pretense of being deep in herculean labors but jimmy did not run away now they're going to have a picnic he said half audibly what now they're going to have a picnic who's going to have a picnic demanded the cook loudly her accent could have led one to suppose that if the projectors did not turn out to be the proper parties she immediately would forbid this picnic jimmy looked at her with more hopefulness after twenty minutes of futile skirmishing he had at least succeeded in introducing the subject to her question he answered eagerly oh everybody lots and lots of boys and girls everybody who's everybody according to custom jimmy began to sing song through his nose in a quite indescribable fashion an enumeration of the prospective picnickers willie dalzell and dan earl and ella earl and walcott margate and Reese margate and walter phelps and homer phelps and minnie phelps and oh lots more girls and everybody and their mothers and big sisters too then he announced a new bit of information they're going to have a picnic well let them said the cook blandly jimmy fidgeted for a time in silence at last he murmured i now i thought maybe you'd let me go the cook looked from her work with an air of irritation and amazement that jimmy should still be in the kitchen who's stopping you she asked sharply i ain't stopping you am i no admitted jimmy in a low voice well why don't you go then nobody's stopping you but said jimmy i you know each feller has got to take something to eat with him oh ho cried the cook triumphantly so that's it is it so that what you been shot around here for i well you may as well take yourself off without more words what with your mother being away on a visit and your father coming home soon to his lunch i have enough on my mind and that without being bothered with you jimmy made no reply but moved in grief towards the door the cook continued some people in this house seem to think there's about a thousand cooks in this kitchen where i used to work for there was some reason in em I ain't a horse a picnic jimmy said nothing but he loitered seems as if i had enough to do without having you come round talking about picnics nobody ever seemed to think of the work i have to do nobody ever seems to think of it then they come and they talk to me about picnics what do i care about picnics jimmy loitered well i used to work before there was some reason in em i never heard tell of no picnics right on top of your mother being away on a visit and your father coming home soon to his lunch it's all foolishness little jimmy leaned his head flat against the wall and began to weep she stared at him scornfully crying eh crying what you crying for no, nothing sobbed jimmy there was a silence save for jimmy's convulsive breathing at length the cook said stop that blubbering now stop it 
kitchen ain't no place for it stop it very well if you don't stop i won't give you nothing to go on the picnic with there for the moment he could not end his tears you never said he sputtered you never said you'd give me anything and why would i she cried angrily why would i with you in here a crying and a blubbering and a bleating round enough to drive a woman crazy i don't see how you could expect me to the idea suddenly jimmy announced i've stopped crying i ain't going to cry no more at all well then grumbled the cook well then stop it i've got enough on my mind it chanced that she was making for luncheon some salmon croquets a tin still half full of pinky prepared fish was beside her on the table still grumbling she seized a loaf of bread and wielding a knife she cut from this loaf four slices each of which was as big as a six-shilling novel she profligately spread them with butter and jabbing the point of her knife into the salmon tin she brought up bits of salmon which she flung and flattened upon the bread then she crashed the pieces of bread together in pairs much as one would clash cymbals there was no doubt in her own mind but that she had created two sandwiches there she cried that'll do you all right let me see will i put em in there i've got it she thrust the sandwiches into a small pail and jammed on the lid jimmy was ready for the picnic oh thank you mary he cried joyfully and in a moment he was off running swiftly the picnickers had started nearly half an hour earlier owing to his inability to quickly attack and subdue the cook but he knew that the rendezvous was in the grove of tall pillar-like hemlocks and pines that grew on a rocky knoll at the lake shore his heart was very light as he sped swinging his pail but a few minutes previously his soul had been gloomed in despair now he was happy he was going to the picnic where privilege of participation was to be bought by the contents of the little tin pail when he arrived in the outskirts of the grove he heard a merry clamour and when he reached the top of the knoll he looked down the slope upon a scene which almost made his little breast burst with joy they actually had two campfires two campfires at one of them mrs earl was making something chocolate no doubt and at the other a young lady in white duck and a sailor hat was dropping eggs into boiling water other grown-up people had spread a white cloth and were laying upon it things from baskets in the deep cool shadow of the trees the children scurried laughing jimmy hastened forward to join his friends homer phelps caught first sight of him ho he shouted here comes jimmy trescott come on jimmy you be on our side the children had divided themselves into two bands for some purpose of play the others of homer phelps party loudly endorsed his plan yes jimmy you be on our side then arose the usual dispute well we got the weakest side tain't any weaker than ours homer phelps suddenly started and looking hard said what you got my pail jim jimmy answered somewhat uneasily got me lunch in it instantly that brat of a minnie phelps simply tore down the sky with her shrieks of derision got his lunch in it in a pail she ran screaming to her mother oh mamma oh mamma jimmy trescott's got his picnic in a pail now there was nothing in the nature of this fact to particularly move the others notably the boys who were not competent to care if he had brought his luncheon in a coal bin but such is the instinct of childish society that they all immediately moved away from him 
in a moment he had been made a social leper all old intimacies were flung into the lake so to speak they dared not compromise themselves at safe distances the boy shouted scornfully huh got his picnic in a pail never again during that picnic did the little girl speak of him as jimmy trescott his name now was him his mind was dark with pain as he stood the hang-dog kicking the gravel and muttering as defiantly as he was able well i can have it in a pail if i want to this statement of freedom was of no importance and he knew it but it was the only idea in his head he had been baited at school for being detected in writing a letter to little cora the angel child and he had known how to defend himself but this situation was in no way similar this was a social affair with grown people on all sides it would be sweet to catch the margate twins for instance and hammer them into a state of bleeding respect for his pail but that was a matter for the jungles of childhood where grown folk seldom penetrated he could only glower the amiable voice of mrs earl suddenly called come children everything's ready they scampered away glancing back for one last gloat at jimmy standing near with his pail he did not know what to do he knew that the grown folk expected him at the spread but if he approached he would be greeted by a shameful chorus from the children more especially from some of those damnable little girls still luxuries beyond all dreaming were heaped on that cloth one could not forget them perhaps if he crept up modestly and was very gentle and very nice to the little girls they would allow him peace of course it had been dreadful to come with a pail to such a grand picnic but they might forgive him oh no they would not he knew them better and then suddenly he remembered with what delightful expectations he had raced to this grove and self-pity overwhelmed him and he thought he wanted to die and make every one feel sorry the young lady in white duck and a sailor hat looked at him and then spoke to her sister mrs earl who's that hovering in the distance emily mrs earl peered why is jimmy trescott jimmy come to the picnic why don't you come to the picnic jimmy he began to sidle towards the cloth but at mrs earl's call there was another outburst from many of the children he's got his picnic in a pail in a pail got it in a pail minnie phelps was a shrill fiend oh mamma he's got it in that pail see isn't it funny isn't it dreadful funny ghastly prigs children are emily said the young lady they are spoiling that boy's whole day breaking his heart the little cats i think i'll go over and talk to him maybe you better not answered mrs earl dubiously somehow these things arrange themselves if you interfere you are likely to prolong everything well i'll try at least said the young lady at the second outburst against him jimmy had crouched down by a tree half hiding behind it half pretending that he was not hiding behind it he turned his sad gaze towards the lake the bit of water seen through the shadows seemed perpendicular a slate-coloured wall he heard a noise near him and turning he perceived the young lady looking down at him in her hand she held plates may i sit near you she asked coolly jimmy could hardly believe his ears after disposing herself and the plates upon the pine needles she made brief explanation they're rather crowded you see over there i don't like to be crowded at a picnic so i thought i'd come here i hope you don't mind jimmy made haste to find his tongue oh i don't mind i 
like to have you here the ingenious emphasis made it appear that the fact of his liking to have her there was in the nature of a law-dispelling phenomenon but she did not smile how large is that lake she asked jimmy falling into the snare at once began to talk in the manner of a proprietor of the lake oh it's almost twenty miles long and in one place it's almost four miles wide and it's deep too awful deep and it's got real steamboats on it and oh lots of other boats and 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 do you go out on it sometimes oh lots of times my father's got a boat he said eyeing her to note the effect of his words she was correctly pleased and struck with wonder oh has he she cried as if she never before had heard of a man owning a boat jimmy continued yes and it's a great big boat too with sails real sails and sometimes he takes me out in her too and once he took me fishing and we had sandwiches plenty of em and my father he drank beer right out of the bottle right out of the bottle the young lady was properly overwhelmed by this amazing intelligence jimmy saw the impression he had created and he enthusiastically resumed his narrative and after he let me throw the bottles in the water and i throwed em way 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 out and they sank and never come up he concluded dramatically his face was glorified he had forgotten all about the pail he was absorbed in this communion with a beautiful lady who was so interested in what he had to say she indicated one of the plates and said indifferently perhaps you would like some of those sandwiches i made them do you like olives and there's a deviled egg i made that also did you really said jimmy politely his face gloomed for a moment because the pail was recalled to his mind but he timidly possessed himself of a sandwich hope you're not going to scorn my deviled egg said his goddess i am very proud of it he did not he scorned little that was on the plate their gentle intimacy was ineffable to the boy he thought he had a friend a beautiful lady who liked him more than she did anybody at the picnic to say the least this was proved by the fact that she had flung aside the luxuries of the spread cloth to sit with him the exile thus early did he fall a victim to woman's wiles where do you live he asked suddenly oh a long way from here in new york his next question was put very bluntly are you married oh no she answered gravely jimmy was silent for a time during which he glanced shyly and furtively up at her face it was evident that he was somewhat embarrassed finally he said when i grow up to be a man oh that is some time yet said the beautiful lady but when i do i i should like to marry you well i will remember it she answered but don't talk of it now because it's such a long time and i wouldn't wish you to consider yourself bound she smiled at him he began to brag when i grow up to be a man i'm going to have lots and lots of money and i'm going to have a great big house and a horse and a shotgun and lots and lots of books about elephants and tigers and lots and lots of ice cream and pie and caramels as before she was impressed he could see it and i'm going to have lots and lots of children about three hundred i guess and there won't none of them be girls they'll all be boys like me oh my she said his garment of shame was gone from him the pail was dead and well buried it seemed to him that months elapsed as he dwelt in happiness near the beautiful lady and trumpeted his vanity 
At last there was a shout. Come on, we're going home. The picnickers trooped out of the grove. The children wished to resume their jeering, for Jimmy still gripped his pail. But they were restrained by the circumstances. He was walking at the side of a beautiful lady. During his journey he abandoned many of his habits. For instance, he never traveled without skipping gracefully from crack to crack between the stones, or without pretending that he was a train of cars, or without some mumming device of childhood. But now he behaved with dignity. He made no more noise than a little mouse. He escorted the beautiful lady to the gate of the Earl home, where he awkwardly, solemnly, and wistfully shook hands in goodbye. He watched her go up the walk. The door clanged. On his way home he dreamed one of these dreams was fascinating supposing the beautiful lady was his teacher in school oh my wouldn't he be a good boy sitting like a statuette all day long and knowing every lesson to perfection and everything and then supposing that a boy should sass her jimmy painted himself waylaying that boy on the homeward road and the fate of the boy was a thing to make strong men cover their eyes with their hands and she would like him more and more more and more and he he would be a little god but as he was entering his father's grounds an appalling recollection came to him he was returning with the bread and butter and the salmon untouched in the pail he could imagine the cook nine feet tall waving her fist and so that's what i took trouble for is it so's you could bring it back so's you can bring it back he skulked towards the house like a marauding bushranger when he neared the kitchen door he made a desperate rush past it aiming to gain the stables and there secrete his guilt he was nearing them when a thunderous voice hailed him from the rear jimmy trescott where are you going with that pail it was the cook he made no reply but plunged into the shelter of the stables he whirled the lid from the pail and dashed its contents beneath a heap of blankets then he stood panting his eyes on the door the cook did not pursue but she was bawling jimmy trescott what you doing with that pail he came forth swinging it nothing he said in virtuous protest i know better she said sharply as she relieved him of his curse in the morning jimmy was playing near the stable when he heard a shout from peter washington who attended dr trescott's horse jim oh jim what come here jimmy went reluctantly to the door of the stable and peter washington asked what's dis here fish and bread doing under these here blankets i don't know i didn't have nothing to do with it answered jimmy indignantly don't tell me cried peter washington as he flung it all away don't tell me when i find fish and bread under these here blankets i don't go and think this here horses are your pops put em i know and if i catch any more dish here fish and bread in this here stable i'll tell your pop end of shame